Welcome to This Week in Woke with me, your host, Rob Smith. This is probably one of the craziest stories I've heard all year. And for me to be saying that, you know, this must be monumental. So the Irish Times had an article recently that has now been taken down from their website called Irish Women's Obsession with fake tan is problematic. The article was by a Latinx journalist living in Dublin called Adriana Acosta-Cortez. Acosta-Cortez stated, quote, when a white Irish woman dons fake tan for a night out, she's wearing a costume that allows her to experience a fleeting taste of a more exotic identity with none of the obstacles people of color face. To say this hit a nerve in Ireland would be an understatement. And so the article was taken down and an apology was issued. But not for the reasons you think. This is where things get insane. The article was such a shitstorm that people started to investigate Acosta Cortez, who has a small but substantial enough web presence to investigate. Turns out all of it was made up by artificial intelligence, AI. Her profile picture has an over 90% likelihood of being derived in the Dolly AI picture generator. The article itself appears to come from ChatGPT. The Irish Times was astroturfed by someone who really wanted to stir the pot. For the time being, all we know is that the Irish Times investigated the matter after the people, not their own staff, suspected it was a ruse. There's so much talk about media literacy in our country and how we need tech overlords and a ministry of truth to discern what is true for us, that it is a great irony that these journalists in Ireland would, were hoodwinked, but not your Joe Schmo. In an interesting twist of fate, back in January, the Irish Times did publish a piece called BuzzFeed Meets Open AI. Is the robot infiltration of the media underway? Now, I have even more questions about this situation than when we started, but I think the message is clear. Next time you see one of these articles designed to outrage you, just remember, it could have been written by AI in 10 seconds just to generate clicks and ad revenue. Propaganda comes in many forms. It could be as simple as AI trash articles or perhaps the very professional-looking Chinese Xinhua news, which is becoming more and more popular with younger audiences. Welcome to the weekly show with Dear Wine. So, folks... Something completely unprecedented is happening in the Middle East. Saudi Arabia has been making nice with Iran and Syria. There's peace breaking out. <laughs> and you know who brokered this reconciliation? China. Yeah, now we know that besides making phones, machines, and building bullet trains and highways, China can also bring about world peace. 
Now you think everyone would be thrilled about this? I mean, who doesn't like peace? It turns out the U.S. government is not too happy about it. William Burns, director of the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, has reportedly expressed frustration over Riyadh's outreach to Tehran and Damascus. The CIA boss flew to Saudi Arabia to express their frustration over peace. Can you believe it? There has been lots of very strange religious revisionism in churches all across America in regards to LGBTQ. Statements like God the mother, God is a drag queen, Jesus is trans have become more and more prevalent. And this leads to the dystopian nightmare that is New York City, where the Church of St. Paul the Apostle has an art exhibit called God is Trans. Turns out that Ada Yoon Achuku, one of the artists in residence at the Church of St. Paul the Apostle, appears to be a practicing witch. Her Etsy favorites include a cauldron, witchcraft supplies, and pentagram ritual board, amongst other occult items. Even her LinkedIn photo, she is rocking occult symbols. Crescent moon, evil eye. I'm a member of the Episcopal Church, so Catholic matters aren't my domain. But members of St. Paul's felt the exhibit was blasphemous, which certainly makes sense considering that Pope Francis said the following, quote, gender ideology today is one of the most dangerous ideological colonizations. Why is it dangerous? because it blurs differences in the value of men and women. All humanity is the tension of differences. It is to grow through the tension of differences. The question of gender is diluting the differences and making the world the same. All dull, all alike, and that is contrary to the human vocation. Makes sense to me. But the church is not removing the exhibit. Keep in mind that the art is by the altar, not off in a parish hall. And when the artist is a practicing witch whose description claims the devil doesn't exist and casually throws the Hamza into a painting, then I think people like church fathers and the Archdiocese of New York are up to no good. Lastly, with the Eastern and Western conferences in full swing, let's talk some basketball. You know... I'm a bit of a basketball Jones myself. Bill Jackson is once again in the news. Jackson is in trouble for his comments on music producer Rick Rubin's podcast. You Do you uh, still watch a lot of basketball? or No, I don't. Tell me about that. When and did you stop immediately from the time you stopped coaching? No, I didn't. Uh, I watched some of the game evolve and decided and they went into the lockout year and they did something that was kind of wanky they did a bubble down in orlando mm -hmm. and all the teams that could qualify mm -hmm. went down there and mm -hmm. stayed down there mm -hmm. no audience and they had things on their back like you know justice and uh yeah i made a little funny thing like uh you know, Justice just went to the basket and uh, equal opportunity just knocked him down. And uh, somebody uh, had another name for a guy who has jersey in the back of a jersey. He had some other slogan. So my grandkids thought that was pretty funny. Uh, 
to to play up those names. So I, I, I couldn't watch that. And then Lakers won, actually. They they won that year. And, uh, do you feel it, like it just made little of the game, like it made it like a sideshow? What do you think it was that turned you off? Well, it was, it was, uh, they even had slogans on the floor, on the baseline. It was catering. It was trying to cater to an audience or trying to bring a certain audience into play. And it, they didn't know it was turning other people off, you know? Mm-hmm. People, people want to see sports as non-political. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had we've had a lot of different type of uh, players that have gone on to be like you know Bill Bradley is a senator, number of baseball players been representatives and senators and political, but their politics stay out of the game. Yeah, it's separate. not it doesn't it's separate. need to be there. Of course, that set up many people like ESPN's Jalen Rose, who released this video. You can't make this up. Hall of Fame coach and 11-time champion Phil Jackson claims to have stopped supporting the NBA because it became too political when it went into the bubble and was catering to certain audiences by putting slogans on the back of jerseys and Black Lives Matter on the floor. The same Phil Jackson that won championships with some of the greatest black athletes in the history of the game, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, made millions on their backs and off their sweat equity. You're sitting up watching a game with your grandkids and y'all think it's funny when justice passes the ball to equal opportunity? When somebody shows you who they are, believe them. So stop watching forever. Despite only a few years ago wanting to smoke pot with Jackson, all I know is I would love to get a chance to hang out with Phil Jackson because I've, he probably has some good lettuce as he, when he makes his salad. I'll just say that. This week, he was on another podcast and discussed it again, clarifying why he thought it was funny. This is being framed as him walking back his comments. But I think he was clarifying the humor that his grandkids found. I don't think people got the humor Right uh, of the what the names that are on the back of the players uh, that were you know in the bubble because of the, you know if you apply them to defending and challenging and going to the hoop and you use those monikers that were on the names, it was it, it had a funny aspect to it, and that's what that's just what I was bringing out to the kids that visually, this is kind of humorous, you know. I had nothing against BLM or the or the cause that was behind it. But that the humorous nature of, you know, going completely woke by the NBA really was like, it's pretty hard to watch. <laughs> anyway, this has led to reporters asking former players of Jackson the dreaded question of, is he a racist? Scottie Pippen was quick to reply. Let me understand the GQ article where you talked about the 1994 playoff game when... You refused to go back in the game, and Phil set up the play for Tony Kukoc. Well, I mean, it's not much to be said. If you go back and look at when Scottie Pippen entered the Bulls and when Tony Kukoc entered the Bulls, and who deserved the last shot of the game? No, no, um, no. I understand that, Scotty. I'm just going by what you said. You said you need to read between the fine lines, and then you go on to say it was a racial move to give 
him, Tony Kukoc, arrived. So, well, I mean, if you knew that Scottie Pippen had been with the Bulls from 87, battled through the Pistons and every other team that we had to get to those three championships, wouldn't you give Scottie Pippen one opportunity to get a last second shot without Michael Jordan? Like one year without Michael Jordan, can I get one shot? Like I'm doing all the dirty work. But all of that I understand from the basketball standpoint. But when you say a racial move, well, why would why would Tony, who was a rookie, get the last second shot and you put me out of bounds? That's what I mean, racial. Like that was Scottie Pippen's team. But but Scottie Phil Pippen then, was but, but, on pace to be an MVP that year, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, why would you put him in a position not to be successful? Why wouldn't you put him in a position to succeed? Michael Jordan is not there. So who's next in line for you? But if you talk to Phil about this, because by saying a racial move, then you're you're calling Phil a racist. I don't got a problem with that. Do you think Phil was or is? Oh, yeah. Damn, Scotty. Talking in the third person, not being happy that y'all won the game off the shot. No timeouts left for the Bulls. Scotty's going to sit here. I look for Kukoc here. It's 6'11". He's the logical man to shoot over the tough defense. Myers triggers an inbounds pass. Bob comes into Tony. Look out. It's on line. Yeah! Bulls win! Bulls win it! Kukoc with the lifesaver! Wow, what a fitting. Scotty's one of the best players of all time. But I think this has more to do with his ex-wife making him look like a fool as she gallivants around with her boy toy, Marcus Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan's son. John Sally also interviewed. Sally played on two different Phil Jackson teams and was on the dreaded Pistons that thwarted the Bulls for so long. Sally, the man with four championship rings and with three different teams, in three different decades and two different millenniums, spoke for about seven minutes on the matter. So here were the best parts. They asked Scottie Pippen, was Phil Jackson racist? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. It was last year, right? Yeah, wasn't it based on this one game where he, put, he didn't put him in or, or something like and that? And he said, are you saying Phil Jackson is racist? He yeah. said, I'm not saying he's not. That was yeah, Scotty. Yeah, that was recently. Yeah, His, his favorite player. Mm-hmm. Then I see what Jalen, I see what um, Champion says, and I listen, and I, and I sit back and I think about it. So BLM is liberal. It's democratic. Mm -hmm. It's liberal. They pushed it. They got to talking about it. And I think that's what he was talking about. I don't think he was talking about Black lives don't matter. I think he was talking about how political it has become without people realizing it's a political statement as opposed to it being a statement developed and designed for a large group of black folks. Um, there was more white people, I think, and a lot of white people involved in BLM. I think it was a great thing because it brought awareness. Um, and I think it's still bringing awareness. Right, but until the I, founders started buying a bunch of houses for themselves, right? But go on. Until until <laughs> until Candace started exposing them, and 
and Kanye. So what I mean, it was a big political thing. And I think that's where Phil was. He wrote a book in the 70s called Maverick. He was the Maverick. He was the political one on the Knicks, along with Bill Bradley. And this, he was pushing politics then, not through the court, not on the basketball court, but in his regular life. So I think he understands that push and fight. Phil literally quit the NBA and went to work on a reservation. Really? Yeah. And then he coached on a reservation in, in North Dakota or South Dakota. He's trying to help the people, the natives, um, is why everything based upon him is a pawn tribe way of thinking. He wasn't ever on the side of a Republican or a Democrat. He was always that guy for the, um, for the under, for the under, uh, underprivileged and, um, uh, what's the good word for it? Marginalized public. So I'm not going to speak for him. I don't think that of him. Um, but when you go against Black Lives Matter, people are not thinking you're going against Black Lives, Black Lives. You think uh, against the program. Against Black the, people. Against Black way, people. Yeah, right. I don't think that's what he meant. Sally put it well. The hive mind thinks you are against Black people when you criticize Black Lives Matter, despite the fact that many founders have been exposed and grandizing themselves instead of helping people. I said it once. I'll say it again. The woke mindset is a hammer. Everything in the world is a nail. So having the opportunity to destroy the legendary Phil Jackson is certainly something up their alley. So who am I rooting for in the finals? Well, a Lakers-Celtics showdown would be fun and timeless, but I really want to see the Nuggets versus the Celtics, with the Celtics winning the whole thing since they got two Virginia alums on the team, Malcolm Brogdon and Sam Hauser. So until next week, friends, remember, watch Rob is Right every day. Say your prayers. Eat your vegetables. This is Rob Smith. Saranara, mother That's problematic!